Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have an awesome show lined up for you. It's actually our first show of the year 2020, and boy, we are starting off on a bang. We will be joined later on in the show by Chairman Wayne Christian. He is the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission. But first, I'd like to talk to you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which our cover is featuring Alan Gilmer. If you know anything about Alan Gilmer, his company, formerly known as Drilling Info, has changed their name. We were able to catch up with him and learn about some of the new things that are happening at Intervest. So if you'd like to learn about Alan Gilmer or look at the latest issue of Shell Magazine, it's free. All you have to do is go to shellmag.com, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G, and you can look at the latest issue of Shell. But for now, and now let me tell you about the fastest growing energy chamber in Texas. It's designed to enable all of us to network, grow our business, and definitely build our brand recognition. For more information, be sure to go to txenergyadvocates.org. Again, that's txenergyadvocates.org. It is free to join the association. And now it's time for us to welcome the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It sure is. And you know what? I'm so excited because, boy, we are starting off our show strong because our guest today will join us later is Chairman Wayne Christian of the Texas Railroad Commission. And I wanted to mention it to you because uh, some of the discussion I'm going to have, you and I today, are also kind of covering some of the stuff that him and I talked about in the show, too. So, Uh, Before we get to those questions, I want to ask you about Apache Corp. They announced a new major oil discovery offshore Siri name this week. Tell me about that new development. Yeah, it's a a great discovery. Apache uh, is is a 50% partner with Total Petroleum out of France uh, in that uh, Block 58 offshore Suriname, which is a tiny country. 550,000 citizens in the whole country, and it is a major uh, crude discovery, they believe, and going to uh, you know has uh, dozens of potential drill sites in it, 1.4 million acre block. So uh, a lot of proving up still to do, obviously, but uh, it is really a, a good Happy New Year bit of news for for Apache Corporation and all of its employees there in Houston. Excellent. And San Antonio, by the way. They have several hundred employees in San Antonio as well. Exactly. And I do remember uh, Shell Magazine had Apache Corporation on the cover uh, last year as well. So good for them. I I, Somehow I also can visualize these keep-it-in-the-ground, anti-frackers, anti-oil and gas folks, probably right about now, just kind of falling over and fainting. You know, do you picture that? Like, yeah. oh, God. 
about API, they held a big conference on Monday for their new ad campaign, uh, which put most emphasis on natural gas and its benefits to the environment. So it, the industry has always been known as oil and gas, but now we're going to be known as, or not we, but they will be known as uh, gas and oil, right? Um, right. What do you think their strategy is all about? Not a new strategy. It's something that we did uh, with America's Natural Gas Alliance a decade ago to very limited utility, spent well over $100 million on a national advertising campaign emphasizing natural gas over oil, uh, and made very little difference in public opinion regarding the industry. I wish them luck. I hope it works out for them. But, um, you know, because I, and, and the truth is, of course, that natural gas uh, is a very beneficial product that the industry produces, just like oil is. Uh, it is much cleaner burning uh, fuel source for electric power generation than coal. And uh, we mm -hmm. have, as a country, uh, enjoyed dramatic reductions in our national air emissions, thanks mainly to the displacement of coal-fired power plants and replacing them with natural gas-fired power plants, about 80% of that capacity. And then some of the rest is replaced with wind and, and, and solar power to, to a small extent. Uh, so, you know, natural gas is very beneficial. I, I am very, always very skeptical about these big dollar advertising campaigns and how much good they really do. Um, but, you know, I think we should just wish them well and hope it works out. I think common sense radio shows like ours are really the benefit of helping everybody understand. So that being said, what do you say to the people who are talking when they hear, oh, but Texas is flaring off this natural gas? You were t we had yeah. a conversation, and you, informed, you really enlightened me to this topic. Tell me again, what is actually happening when they flare, and why is everybody up in arms, and is it because of the environmental impact, or is it something else? Yeah, and of course, that's what the environmentalists say. The truth is there's very little environmental impact from flaring natural gas because what you do when you flare natural gas is you burn the natural gas. And so natural gas, contrary to what the environmental groups try to make people believe, uh, the flaring of natural gas does not result in methane emissions uh, into the atmosphere. It burns. That's what you're burning when you burn natural gas, you're burning the methane. Uh, and the, the main byproduct of, of burning natural gas is what? It's water, water vapor. Uh, very, very only trace amounts of pollutants of any kind come from flaring. That being said, flaring is incredibly wasteful. It is a very wasteful enterprise. Uh, and the industry should be working, and I know uh, many are working diligently to reduce flaring because you are wasting a very valuable commodity uh, that has great value to the state of Texas and to the United States. And as we just talked about, great value to the environment. And, and so the flaring issue is a bad issue for the industry and the industry has been very slow to effectively deal with it in a real organized sure. fashion. So uh, I know the real but commission I want to is be concerned clear. about it if and they should be. I want to be clear, this isn't necessarily negative on the environment as much as it's being wasteful. So, right, that exactly. being said, the president of ATI also announced during that call 
of his association, that they recognize that climate change is real. I guess, you know, my question was, I was kind of startled to hear that, and I want your thoughts on what do you think about that statement coming from API? Well, uh, I guess the first thing to, to understand is API does what its member companies ask it to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, the biggest member companies of API are the major integrated international oil companies. And uh, several of those companies have assumed that position for many years. Now, I worked for Shell in 2006 and 2007, and Shell was all, had already adopted that position as a company. BP uh, has also long held that position. And, and so, I, you know, my view on all that is, you know, I just don't think it's, it's anything for individual companies to be weighing in on. I mean, that's a question for uh, the climate science community to answer and the government to deal with from a regulatory standpoint. Uh, the, the oil and gas industry exists to produce oil and gas and should do so in the most environmentally responsible way possible. So to me, you know, when I see a company or a trade association, you know, talking about climate change, I think, well, why are you doing that? It's not really what you're there to do. Um, but, you know, all these companies and associations make the choices that they make. And, uh, you know, I guess they think it's good from a public relations standpoint. And, you know, maybe it is. I, I guess I don't understand from where looking at it and saying, I kind of agree with you. In, in what scientific data base are you referring this to when you publicly say that? But also, more importantly, climate has always been changing. And so when when you say that, it sounds good. Is it because Wall Street is not loaning as much money as it used to to the energy industry? Is it satisfying your shareholders? I mean, in what way are you saying these things? Because this is exactly the, in, the industry that you are in. To me, it yeah. sounds like a doctor. And, you know, and you're right. I, I, I can't think save the companies life. are <laughs> under pressure from investors and Wall Street to, to, to talk about this stuff. But, uh, I just, I'm not really sure they ought to be responding to that in the way they do, but that's just my opinion. Well, it was a very interesting call, and and I do understand their strategy. I mean, I, I do agree with uh, their position that natural gas is a wonderful uh, resource, and maybe under helping the, the general population understand the benefits of how it burns cleaner. And all. I, I am there. Check, check, check. This is going to be a great campaign to do this. I am not so sure that saying something like that um, is the right way to be, especially when we think about that, you know, climate change has become such a scary topic, especially for our children. You know, you and I have had this discussion, Chairman Christian and I had a discussion later on in the show about the scare tactics of leading to children committing suicide. I think we need to really lower the rhetoric of climate change and really leave it in the hands of scientists that are coming from some place of, of an informed spot and, and can look at stats and point them out. That's what I would really like to see we move towards. That's just Kim Bilotto's opinion, because I think that uh, when the energy industry starts saying things and not really touting where this data is coming from, it kind of moves us back 10 steps, not forward. That's yeah, just my opinion. Well, I, I tend to agree with that. I, but, you know, nobody listens to me. <laughs> listen to you, David. Um, well, that is all the time we have, but 
uh, in our next segment, which we will be, I'll be welcoming Chairman Wayne Christian on, the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, and we had a lot of discussions that you and I are talking about. We're going to get a little more in-depth with him, too. But one thing I'm really excited about is we are starting to show off strong with the chairman uh, joining us. We are definitely growing in uh, 2020. David, thank you for joining us, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And now it's time for us to welcome on Chairman Wayne Christian with the Texas Railroad Commission. Chairman Christian, we have not had you on the show in quite some time, but welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Honored to be with you at Oil Patch, Kim. It's, uh, it's great and appreciate the good work you do of getting the news out. Thank you so much. So you're the chairman. There are three commissioners that are a part of the commission that make up the Texas Railroad Commission. Talk to me, first of all, about the specific role of the Texas Railroad Commission and uh, how it affects Texas, because it's such an important regulatory body. Actually, in my opinion, it's probably the most important in Texas. Tell us a little bit about what the Texas Railroad Commission is. Well, indeed, Kim, I'm biased, too. I think it's the most important, but some would argue. I kind of laughingly say, and it's kind of factual, it's the Rodney Dangerfield post of statewide officials in that uh, we don't get no respect because people don't understand. They think we're running the railroads, the average public that looks at it, They have no idea what the Railroad Commission does. The Railroad Commission is 150 years old. For 100 years, we've been regulating oil and gas production. We have nothing to do with railroads anymore. That's over at the Texas Department of Transportation. But what we do regulate is the oil and gas from the time it's in the ground, underneath the ground, all the way through the drilling, the pipelines, getting it to the refineries. Once it hits the refineries, the Railroad Commission's place stops. So we regulate all gas, coal, uranium, any mineral in the ground in Texas, and we regulate all the way until it gets to the refineries. So that's basically the role of the Texas Railroad Commission. For me, understanding how important, how much uh, taxes are raised specifically in Texas, via oil and gas through the permitting and all the different processes pertaining to oil and gas, and you look at how strong the economy is. To me, this is why I say the Texas Railroad Commission is vital, that it remains uh, one of the most important regulatory bodies and that it continues to thrive because of the fact that nothing can happen in Texas without this very, very important resource, and you all are the agency that regulates the majority of it. But let's talk about, you all went through Sunset a couple of sessions back, and the Texas legislators saw the right thing in making sure that the agency stayed strong. They gave you guys some more financial resources. One of them that I'm seeing you guys are working on is getting a lot more 
online savvy of being able to take advantage of technology that exists now that help minimize some of the tasks that you guys used to do that required you to be out in the field. One of them is you all, the, the Railroad Commission has launched some online tools to track inspections. What does that look like? What, what has changed in reference to being online, being able to track inspections? Exactly. That, that's one of the things we're most proud of. And may I say that we've gone from six, the cause of the legislature allowing us a, a budget opening, we have done a couple of things is increased the personnel from a high 600s to right now over 800 personnel across the state of Texas that are regulating oil, gas, and coal. Why do we have that and why is it important? As you mentioned, Kim, the reason is because oil and gas in the state of total economy, even though we're diversified, right now is 30% of the total uh, jobs are either directly or indirectly. One out of 10 employees and 30% of the economy. And for every dollar the legislature extends financing to the Railroad Commission of Texas, we return about $51 to the state of Texas. So honestly, what makes Texas Texas, unlike a lot of these other states that really go up and down with things, and, and indeed it's a market product, so oil and gas definitely goes up and down, but oil and gas has been the bedrock difference in Texas, the economy, the jobs, and why we in Texas don't have a state income tax, why we can have an emergency rainy day fund. All of that comes from oil and gas, all the rainy day fund, the emergency fund that we have that few other states, if any, have. And so oil and gas has been the gift the good Lord has given the state of Texas that has made us very different financially to afford. And so as long as we can get, and you mentioned a couple of years ago the, the sunset, what we did is go in and just simply produce to the legislature, hey, guys, you're returning 50 bucks for every dollar that you invest of taxpayer dollars back to the state coffers. That really got some attention, and they were kind enough to increase our funding, and the majority of the money, and uh, Christy Craddock, the commissioner, led a lot of this. She invested in the, or had them invest in the computer updates. And what that does, it lets the entire public openness go on the, the site of the Railroad Commission now. They can see all the permitting processes, all the different things that they want to know about the oil and gas in their particular area, and they can go online and get it almost immediately. A lot of the application that used to take three and four days for a permit can now be done in one day. So every area has been increased. We were literally on computer system that did Fortran, which was the system of having little cards that you stuck in the computer. And the, the staff at the commission has done a tremendous job of updating. We're not quite to where we want it yet, but we've got a vast improvement, more efficient for the public. For the listeners who may or may not remember this, uh, just some history, years back, maybe gosh, five, six sessions back, we had a different comptroller, and this can happen from time to time, so I don't want to be critical of our wonderful work that the uh, comptrollers do, but there was a miscalculation that basically set off the problem for the state of Texas since most of our taxes are raised through property taxes. And at the time, we had Governor Rick Perry, and I remember I was in a different job, and I remember it was in a healthcare setting, and the, and the governor at the time required all agencies to come up with a 20% budget cut. And what we saw in Texas was a ripple effect that just shot off in ways of from the chief, from our from our educators. Uh, there were a lot that were laid off. Our uh, fire and EMS were on a hiring freeze. So also our law enforcement. And so, in other words, oil and gas is one of the main funders of the Texas Rainy Day Fund. 
And it really does uh, blanket us, if you will, from having these major, major hardships. We saw just a small fraction of it when we didn't balance our budget because we had the wrong numbers. And it, and it really had a really negative ripple effect in Texas. And so for, for our listeners, I want them to understand how really vital oil and gas is to the economy of Texas and how really important its role is and that we must really understand uh, the vitalness of keeping it strong here in Texas. When we return from break, Commissioner Christian, I want to talk a little bit about education in oil and gas in our great state. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the join link enter your information and we'll get you set up join the texas energy advocates coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we are being joined by Chairman Christian, Chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission. Wayne, before the break, uh, we were talking about the importance to Texas in the way of oil and gas, the regulatory agency that permits and basically regulates this wonderful resource is the Texas Railroad Commission. Recently, you were discussing uh, education in high school for energy curriculum, and I was shocked to understand that Texas doesn't really have any education in the area of oil and gas in our public school system. Tell me, why do you think that is, and what's your position on how important it is that we put something in there? (laughs) Right. What we did immediately, I found that the problem in the state of Texas is that, good Lord, again, has given us the largest discovery of oil in the history of the world. And, And we'll talk about that a little later. Because of that, there's more pipelines, more constructions, more refineries, LNG facilities, more jobs that are going to be available in years ahead that we currently don't even have enough truck drivers or welders to accommodate that growth that we have now discovered in West Texas. And so I started a task force individually that is not directly connected to the railroad commission, just individually, an employment uh, task force, a jobs task force. We started looking and finding out that our children, the only education they have in energy is from, uh, frankly, liberal arts professors or educators who have taken Al Gore's theme, which has been proven false in every regard, but that's a whole other debate, but basically been cast that oil and gas is the enemy of the world and the United States, rather than that windmills and solar panels are going to solve everything, which by physics is impossible. And you start looking and seeing that in the last, since 1970 through now, the EPA says the oil and gas industry, the atmosphere, the seven poisonous gases they identify in the atmosphere have decreased since 1970 by 75%. At the same time, we've increased population in the United States by 30%, and the use of cars, motors, all types of equipment have increased tremendously, and yet we're 75% less poisonous gases. Okay, just using that as a issue that our 
our public and our children are not being educated. The only education that they have in our public school system is an optional course in agriculture, which many schools don't teach. So uh, a former representative created a curricula that we've introduced to the State Board of Education, and they have adopted a curricula K-12 through on energy, just the facts of energy, all types of energy. And it is available now for the first time to schools across the state of Texas. But, of course, it's an optional course, which means the schools can present it. The text are there, the information is there, and it's ready. But at least we have it available to the school system of Texas uh, to start educating our kids besides a bunch of uh, liberal arts professors and universities doing theories that Al Gore made up and have been proven false as their basis for the oil and gas industry. And, you know, I think the uh, representative you're talking about, because we interviewed the Honorable Jason Isaac, who yes. is now with Life Power, and he was discussing this on one of our shows. And, you know, it took uh, him to really bring it to light how it's lacking. And when we uh, come back from break, the climate, though, right now, Chairman Christian, is, you know, uh, the environment and the Green New Deal. We have elected officials running for the presidency talking on this topic. And I look back and I realize this is a very troubling, somewhat, uh, I wouldn't say interesting, but very troubling times that we're living in right now. If you're a child and your only information you're getting is this is a really bad time, we're heading for a collision course that, you know, no one can stop unless we do something right now, but no one seems to have a consensus of, well, what is it that we should do right now? Uh, It's a pretty scary time. And so when we come back from break, I do want to get your opinion on what is happening out there with when we start having discussions on the Green New Deal, understanding that we have a basic lack of understanding energy, oil and gas, or now is gas and oil. So I want to get your opinion. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. And welcome back to the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chairman Christian who is the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, one of three 
persons that sit in this regulatory agency that basically does all things oil and gas pertaining to Texas. Wayne, before the break, we were talking about the curriculum that is somewhat lacking in our school system today to teach our kiddos about energy, especially in a state that it's a vital resource, economic driver for the state. What do you think and your thoughts are on these elected officials that are running and they're out there touting how if they win the presidency day one, they are going to sign by executive order anti-fracking bans and the Green New Deal is being thrown out there by AOC. Um, What are your thoughts on uh, the Green New Deal? How would it affect uh, Texas? Well, I authored the resolution by the 31 states that produce oil and gas asking Congress and had it passed this past year by the Interstate Oil and Gas Compact Commission, which for 80-something years have represented those 31 states. And I passed a resolution telling Congress, asking Congress from 31 states to have nothing that looks like a step-neff child, that's not the legal language, uh, to the Green New Deal because it was totally unbiased scientifically and everything else. You looked also at the, uh, I remember the seven-hour debate that was on uh, CNN Network where every one of the, the candidates for the most important position on planet Earth, the President of the United States, lifted their hands and says, keep it in the ground if I'm president. And you're sitting here understanding, okay, the good Lord gave us, I just look at history and you see back in World War One up uh, in by Fort Worth, right after Baytown had the first spindle top discovery, about several months later, big uh, discovery they had, and they exported enough gas to World War One back in 1917 that the folks over in World War One at Eastland County called the Roaring Ranger production, when the armistice was signed in 1918, a member of the British War Cabinet declared the Allied cause floated the victory on a wave of oil. And that was from Central Texas. World War II, seven to eight billion barrels of oil to win the war came to the United States, two-thirds of the oil. And Winston Churchill, at the end of World War II, says the war was won on a sea of East Texas oil. Today, we just got through looking at Iran that shot missiles uh, into Iraq, our military base. We looked at the greatest threat when Saudi Arabia had some drones that uh, whoever, Iran, whoever, blew up the largest refinery Saudi Arabia had. What happened in the market years ago, you'd have seen oil go up at the, t- I mean, gasoline go up at the tank by, gosh, a dollar a gallon. What happened? It went down a month later from the Saudi Arabia trend. On the, uh, the missile from Iran to hit Iraq, you saw on the next day, oil prices went down a dollar a barrel. Why? Because for the first time in 70 years, the United States is energy independent, is energy dominant, as President Trump would say. Why? Because of the discovery of oil in West Texas that just occurred about three years ago. And I don't think people have understood what that means to us. It's not just energy security or economic security. It's national security. We no longer have to send our young men and women to the Mideast to secure our energy from Saudi Arabia, Jordan, or whoever. And this is catastrophically different for the future. Now we have a decision. Are we going to use it as they did in World War I, World War II? Are we going to take this tremendous new discovery from West Texas the good Lord's given us and say, keep it in the ground? And that's the challenge I see. It's shocking, though, to me that to understand that we have a young lady, uh, 
all of what 15 years old talking about the environment in ways that are so scary and I wonder at 15 what is your scientific background to the data that you're touting out there that you're going around the world and talking on it but I do know this I know that we have our children so scared that we actually are seeing children commit suicide as a result of being terrified of climate change there is something wrong with people, and I'm not trying to throw it at one person, and certainly not this young lady. I think in her mind she really is, believes what she's saying. But it's gotten to, to a point where it is so unfounded, these accusations and elected officials saying these things, touting that. Let, let me share with that. you. I just read an article last week that said this past decade, past 10 years, was the most beneficial, colossally successful uh, decade for the poor in the history of recorded history. Poverty levels worldwide went from over 40% 10 years ago to now 10%. That is the largest decrease in worldwide poverty in the history of recorded mankind. And yet so let's we put have that together. Why did that happen? Because I don't think a lot of listeners might understand why did that happen? Well, it happened because we had a free market industry going, led by the energy uh, of, of the, the oil and gas industry in America. It has grown that time. And another thing, understand, here, here's the future and why Iran, we no longer worry about that gas price. And we don't worry about uh, the Saudi Arabian refinery going down. Our gas prices didn't even bump up a dollar or a penny, hardly. The reason is, three years ago, the entire amount of available oil and gas reserves in the United States was 40 billion barrels. In West Texas alone, the first estimate was 20 billion barrels. Second estimate was 44 billion. Now they've increased it to 88 billion. And I was in West Texas less than three months ago, and they told me it's over 200 billion. I go to Houston. And the man said, no, you're wrong, Wayne. Our staff has estimated a projection of 230 billion barrels of oil. That is six times the amount of total oil reserves before we discovered this West Texas oil. Now, what are we going to do with it? And you've got presidential candidates saying keep it in the ground? Well, and it's not only that, uh, Chairman Christian. It's also... The reason why we see people being lifted out of poverty is because they do have access to energy. Yes. But energy meaning that they actually are able to live longer, live better, because they actually have access to this energy. So many countries didn't even have access to basic clean uh, drinking water. And this is what's changing the planet for the better and actually cleaning and sustaining life. So I want to be clear with our listeners, when we come back from break, uh, Wayne, I want to get on, I want to stay on this topic, but I want to talk about, we have over around 400 cities throughout the United States that have signed on to the Paris Climate Accord, even though our president has taken us off of it. I want to get your thoughts on that. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Chairman Christian. Plan your next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex, home to the state-of-the-art conference and education center, conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi. The center hosts meetings, educational workshops, and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking. Let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. 
Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. We're back. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chairman Wayne Christian of the Texas Railroad Commission. Chairman Christian, before the break, we were talking about how wonderful it has been because we have so much access to energy, how it's really changed the planet, if you will, in very positive ways. However, uh, when we elected Donald Trump, President Trump, uh, he immediately took us off of the Paris Climate Accord that the previous administration had signed on. Now we see that there's roughly about 400 cities all over the United States that have said through their uh, mayors, but they're going to continue to do what they can pertaining to the Paris Climate Accord. And we're seeing cities adopt green plans, different in scope, but a lot of them are similar. What are your thoughts on uh, these cities that are doing these green new deals, and how do you think that's going to work out? Well, it's already proven itself. I think in Round Rock, Texas, they went on that a green new deal routine, and the taxpayers there are in revolution because of the increased cost of energy. Wind and solar panels, which is what they're turning to that's going to replace oil, gas, and coal, are paid by taxpayer dollars. They can't exist without subsidies, whereas oil and gas have provided 85% of the energy. Remember during the, the seven-hour debate by the presidential candidates and CNN I referenced before, Every one of them, when asked, is the United States responsible for this climate change problem that we see in the world and the CO2 problem and all, they say, well, no, but we're only 15% of the world, and and that's exactly why the Paris Accord is such a crazy thing. Every one of those people that are for keeping in the ground raised their hand and said, well, the United States is not the problem. It's the rest of the world. You look at the Paris mm-hmm. Accord, and for the first – I mean, I would ask your your listeners, would they – if they were gamblers, and most aren't, but if they were, and they were make a deal, would they would they put a hundred bucks on what the weatherman tells them today is going to be the weather tomorrow, as compared <laughs> to what is really going to be the result of it? And when you get an airplane, you have to estimate what the change has been for the last hour in the weather. In a hurricane, many a time they don't know till it hits the shore what the hurricane is going to be, what force is going to be, what category. And we're wanting to spend seventy eight trillion dollars in the Paris Accord for a bunch of of environmental groups that have come up with they potentially can keep the temperature over the next 30 years within 1.7 degrees Fahrenheit. And I'm thinking, number one, who cares if it goes up 1.7 degrees? Let's just put more power into better air conditioners or better heaters. But number two, what difference is 1.7 degrees going to be, and what's the chances that are happening? And third, 78 trillion with a T on it dollars, which most of it will come by the countries of America, Europeans. None of it from the ones causing the pollution, which is China and Russia. So in Africa, you've got all these factors going on. So Donald Trump was exactly right. Is it an, it's an insane situation that we bought into through the former administration? 
that is totally against every scientific basis you can think of the Paris Accord. API had held their State of American Energy event yesterday, and they had as media we had access to Mike Sumner, the new president uh, and CEO, and. This association uh, is a lobbying group. Uh, they're a very large group. Uh, they do really good work. But I found one of the things that Mike Sumner said was very interesting, and maybe maybe I'm not using the right word, but I found it to be kind of strange to hear the association say point blank that they believe that climate change is real. The industry is, I don't think it's built around scientists. If we're not scientists, why would we make a claim it's a belief, I get it, but how beneficial is that to make that claim? And what are your thoughts on the industry making that claim? It's probably a true statement. There is climate change. Let me tell you something. There's been climate change ever since Adam and Eve were invented and, and the earth was yeah. created how many billion years ago. Climate changes. The question is how much of it is mankind responsible for? And since we've been identified as the only species of creature on planet earth that are not supposed to affect the environment one iota, it's kind of hard to say any time that we do anything, is it going to affect the environment? And as I mentioned, what's the fact of history that we've done in the United States with the oil and gas and coal industry and the EPA, who is the, the, the voice of these folks many times, says that we've decreased it by 75% since 1970, the poisonous gases. So we have, we have decreased the negative effects over the past 30 years while increasing the usage. But you never hear that. But if, if I ask a basic question, are we going to affect the environment? Yeah. If you breathe, if you cough, but that's so are something cows. in the atmosphere. And we can't kill our cows. We eat them. But cows affect it, too. I know. And they, they also have come out now. We can't, we no, we're no longer supposed to adopt pets. We're supposed to kill them all to where they don't harm the environment. It is insanity run awry. And we're sitting insanity here with a choice. 101. It's literally unbelievable how away from science they've become on this. And what makes me angry is that, I want the truth. We at the Railroad Commission want to keep the water clean and glad that we are, we are leading the charge worldwide on doing that. We want to make sure that the air is clean. Glad to say that uh, we now have pollen alerts for allergies, which I'm suffering with, and you too right now, and we do. But it used to be uh, smog alerts in our major cities. They just went away. How did they go away? Did they just disappear? No, it's because the industry has done the right thing, and oil and gas and coal and automotive and all industries have cleaned the environment. But you never hear our industry bragging on that. What frustrates me is you see television commercials from big energy companies that don't say, look how we've cleaned, made the world better, made the United States better, clean things up, even though we've increased the usage. No, they're, they're bragging on stuff like algae is the future of energy in America, which is insanity. And you have many of these oil and gas companies sitting back and saying, well, let's go along with the Paris Accord and the carbon tax. Not because they don't believe it. They know they've got 85% of the energy because windmills and solar panels can never produce as many as you put in there coming from states with money, over 15% of the energy needs of Americans in the world. So the energy companies got 85% of the market. They know. So they, they got their spread made. So really I see my anger is the disconcern, uh, the not concern for the consumer out there our mom and pa in a pickup truck getting gasoline, a lot of our big energy companies aren't standing up for them. They're surrendering to the Paris Accord folks and to the other folks to make it politically correct. That concerns me. You're right. I do remember as a child these things were in place, and they have gone away, and it is because we have gotten greener and we're doing things better, the industry. But let's just face the facts. 
Without energy, we cannot sustain life. It is that vital. It is a wonderful thing to have. We enjoy our lights and our air conditioning and our heating, but really, Kim, what people need to think of is 1900 Texas, 85% of the folks in agriculture, you had deaths because of freezing to death, lack of food, starvation. You had everybody works six days a week, daylight for dark in farms, 85% of the population. Average lifespan was 45. Today, average lifespan is 75. You have less than 15% of the population anywhere close to any agricultural industry. Most are living good lives doing what they would dream of rather than have to stay on the farm. You have people no longer starve to death in the, in the United States of America. People no longer, we have an obesity problem. They no longer freeze to death because the air conditioner or heater's two degrees off. What's the difference in live, living this life that we're seeing now? It's all gas and coal. The energy and development of heaters and transportation and food and agriculture. And so which world do you want? And to keep it in the grounders want to go back to wagons and horses. It's insanity run amok. Well, Chairman, I did enjoy this interview. I love speaking to you. You fire me up about what makes sense. <laughs> and you cut through a lot of what is insanity. Thank you for joining us on today's show. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.